What's up, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> what? How y'all doing? I'm right. I'm not gonna stay that long because uh, I still ain't doing my project. <laughs> yeah, me either. And I'm doing my hair, and I'm supposed to be making this. So really, I'm just stopping by to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stopping by to show my face. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, goodness. What is we talking about today? Uh, We're going to go through about four chapters today. You know, they're short, though. They're just a few pages. What's up, Tris? Hey, hey, hey. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I may have hey, to call you for like five minutes. I got to sing happy birthday to my sister. Okay, that's okay, fine. Just unmute it. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Dre, can you see the um can you see the pages? Hey cousin. Yeah, there's one page on there. Okay. Hey. Hey cousin. I don't know if you heard me. Uh, we just walked in the house. <laughs> No, 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 I was, I had said hi to you, but I don't know if you heard me. Hey. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm late, y'all. I'm still getting my setup together. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, what's up? What's up? So cute. Bad. He's talking about so he cute. Not bad. He's annoying. Talking about so cute. <laughs> Get out my bed. Get in your own bed. Yeah. I was um able to put y'all on my iPad, so I'm super happy. I could like see more than one person at a time.
Talking all the time, all sound. We're going to give a few more minutes and then we'll start. Okay. I'm going to get started, y'all. Do you guys hear an echo? I don't hear one. Dre, you hear an echo, you said? You on mute. Okay. Okay, so before we read this chapter, I want to ask you guys, um, so I'm going to give you a question so you can marinate on it a little bit. That way, by the time we get to the end of the chapter, you kind of have an idea of what we're going to talk about. So the first question is, how does white America or the American system show fake love to black people? And how do we know the difference? Got it? All right. Eli Whitney and the Cotton Gin. Now, they tell you that a white man named Eli Whitney invented the Cotton Gin in 1793 and put a patent on it the next year. The Cotton Gin is a machine that separates cotton from cotton seeds. Up until then, Black people, slaves, had to do that by hand. The slaves worked themselves to death picking the stuff up picking the stuff, but slave owners didn't care because they didn't care about anything when it came to slaves, as long as those slaves were working. But uh, 
But they say a white man invented the cotton gin, so the job will be easier. If you never like me, then why would you invent a cotton gin to ease my burden? The only people who care how hard it is are the people doing it. That's why when Eli Whitney went to Virginia to visit his mother and father's friend, he saw these slaves sitting out there with this device we now call the cotton gin, and he went back and put a patent on it. So <clears throat> I think um, I think the most simple way that white America or white corporations or the American system shows fake love is like, look, we had a black president or, <laughs> um, oh, I'll let you work here. Like you should be grateful. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's probably like the, the easiest examples I can think of. Um, and I think as far as my question, how do we know the difference between fake love and, and real love? I think that even if you think about relationships, true love comes when I don't need you. So as long as we're dependent on white America or the white system, we're always going to be uh, falling into the trap of what are you going to do for me? And if you do something for me or we think you're doing something for us, then that means you love us or you view us as equals when really that's not the case. You guys have any examples? I I totally like agree with you with that whole, oh, our president was black type stuff. Like, and I think that comes with even with some of my friendships I had to reevaluate in college. Like, you know, they're like, oh, Chanel's my friend though. Cause you know, I was known on campus. Everybody knew me. I did the programs and everything like that. Like, oh, I don't have a problem with black people. Chanel's my friend. But Chanel's also my ratchet ghetto, you know, not the stereotypical black friend either. So um, I definitely agree with you on that one. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest thing is like not taking things for face value. Like, okay, you're doing something for me, but what's the catch? Mm -hmm. And not to be negative, but um, like I was just telling my friend about giving uh, homeless people or bums like money. You know, some people do it just to say, oh, I give bums money all the time. They're not actually doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it just to say they did it, just to put a check in the box to make themselves feel better. But it's not true love. They aren't sacrificing anything, you know? I think when you have to tell somebody what you've done for them, that's the example of fake love. Like when I have to keep letting you know, I gave you this, I helped you out this way, you know, you should be happy. That's fake love because if it was real love, you wouldn't have to say it. If you, you know, to, to your example, if you're giving bums money, you should just be giving bums money and that's just it. Or homeless people, I shouldn't even call it bums, but homeless people, people who are down on right. Whatever the case may be, you should just be doing it. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, Chase the Great. I like you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> my, my name is really Chanel, but I use my, my baby name for my email address. Oh, okay. Hi, Chanel. Nice hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> y'all funny. I love y'all energy on here. It's always great. All right. 
Now for the Dred Scott decision, the question is, what is the importance of remembering important people in black history? So not so much the Malcolm X's or Martin Luther King's, but even as, as most recent, George Floyd or Rosa Parks or Rodney King, you know, people that uh, became symbols of change. Um, after we, you know, while we're reading this, just think about that. Like, why is it important that we remember these people? Because a lot of times they don't do anything. Like George Floyd did, didn't necessarily fight for something, something happened to him. Or uh, Ahmaud Arbery, like he's a, a symbol for change. He didn't actually do anything, something happened to him. But why is it important that we remember those people? So just kind of marinate, marinate on that while I'm reading. <clears throat> I, I think I kind of marinated already. <laughs> okay, cousin. But we're going we gonna to marinate and then we're going to read and then we're going to reflect. Okay, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. So hold it. So hold okay. it. Hold, hold, hold the thoughts. I'm going okay. to type it down. BRB. <laughs> the Dred Scott decision. Look at what was happening in the first half of the 1800s. Let me make this bigger. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what was happening in the first half of the 1800s, the decades before the Civil War. The country didn't know what to do about slavery. The South wanted it and the North didn't, and the two sides kept coming up with agreements that didn't work out. The Missouri Compromise of 1820 made it so that there couldn't be slavery in the Louisiana Territory north of a certain point. Both sides agreed. Then in 1854, Congress passed the Kansas-Nebraska Act, which let people living in the new territories of Kansas and Nebraska decide for themselves what to do about the issue of slavery. Because Kansas and Nebraska were in the old Louisiana territory, and because they were north of where the Missouri Compromise said there couldn't be slavery, passing the Kansas-Nebraska Act was about the same as tearing up the Missouri Compromise into little pieces. The pro-slavery folks were happy, the anti-slavery folks were angry, and those angry folks, the ones who wanted no parts of slavery, were the ones who started the Republican Party. Now, for those folks who don't follow politics in this country, remember, the Republican Party back then was closer to what the Democratic Party is today. Like everything else, political parties change over time, and they will change again. It kills me when the most racist Republican politicians say, the Republican Party is Lincoln, knowing full well that had they been alive and in office in 1863, they would have fought emancipation tooth and nail. In 1857, then came the Dred Scott decision. It was a huge case, man. Dred Scott was a slave in Missouri. His master moved for a while to a spot in the northern part of the Louisiana Territory and took Scott with him. They later went back to Missouri. After that, Scott sued his master. He said that since he had been on soil that was supposed to be free, he was now a free man. The case went all the way to the Supreme Court. The court pretty much told Dred Scott that Negro, Negroes were inferior, that they had no rights that the white man was bound to respect. It seemed that the highest court in the land was on the side of slavery, and that made the anti-slavery folks mighty depressed. All of them except Frederick Douglass. His view was pretty much, look, all this means is if we want to get rid of slavery, we have to do it with little agreements on with little agreements on pieces of paper. Something big has to happen. He was right. And because and something big did happen. A couple of things. First was John Brown's 1859 raid on Harper's Ferry, which I'll get to in just a minute. 
1860, the new Republican Party's man, Abraham Lincoln, got elected. In 1863, Lincoln freed the slaves, on paper anyway, with the Emancipation Proclamation. As bad as the Dred Scott decision was, it helped folks see what needed to happen. All right, cousin, you're up. Or you put, you want us to read it in the chat? No, so I was thinking like, as a teacher, you know, the importance of us knowing these types of things, because one, you gotta realize school was shut down like for a pandemic. So not only do I have to be like the psychiatrist for my students at this point for a pandemic, something they've never lived through, something I've never lived through, I have mm -hmm. to be an additional support person for them seeing stuff like, um, you know, um, would you stop saying, you know, everything that's going on with the Brianna Taylors and, you know, all that type of situation. So not only is this happening during the pandemic, but you got all this, like George Floyd sent the world up. So it's like, as a teacher, I have to have those conversations with my kids. I have to have those check-ins. How do you feel? I remember vividly um, the, like, the weekend that rioting and stuff happening, I had to check in with my kids, like, how does that make you feel? And some of the kids like, it's sad because now I can't go to the store. My parents mm -hmm. got to travel far. We don't have a car, so now we got we to gotta take the bus to the, you know what I'm saying? So as a, from a teacher standpoint, is they, they got to know these people. George Floyd literally sent the world up. And mm -hmm. that's, that's, I don't know if I'm going to say that that's good or bad, but it surely shook us up a little bit. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's all I got. That's good. What you got, Tristan? You look like you got something to say. Uh, I kind of have it from like two angles, right? On one hand, you gotta know who these people are because you have to understand that. I guess maybe it's the same angle. You, I think it's important to know who these people are because you have to know that you're not an exception, right? So whether it's, uh, let's say, in a leadership role, right, and you are uh, going and you're out there motivating people to do what's right, whether it's that kind of role or whether you are in a role, you know, of a Breonna Taylor or a George Floyd or something like that, I think you have to know I think the importance of knowing these people is knowing that you're not an exception. Like this, this could be you either way. There's not mm -hmm. a certain type of person who has to um, stand up. You could be the one, you could be the very one to stand up and lead. You could be the very one to get, you know, harassed by the police, you know? Um, so I think it's just important to understand who these people are because in one way or another, everybody is making a sacrifice. You know, and it's all usually in the greater good of us. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like you're not an exception either way. So it's important to know, like, that person is your neighbor. That person is your cousin. That person is your brother. That person is somebody you know. That person is somebody that looks like you. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes I think, uh, at least in the case of, well, even in both cases, I think sometimes people think like, oh, is that kind of person? You need that kind of person, or these things only happen to that kind of person, or that type of situation. There's no exceptions to the rule. Like it's, it's, it's not. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah. 
Um, I definitely think we get caught up in, just like you said, that'll never happen to me or it hasn't hit home yet. So it's not my problem. Right. You know, it hasn't happened to me or somebody that I care about. So I'm not going to think about it. Right. Oh, that's messed up and going about your day. But like you said, um, you know, it could be you. And mm -hmm. I, I think, I think when we think of, of people's names, like when we think of Rosa Parks, like Rosa Parks wasn't the only one that didn't give up her seat. She was right. just the most famous name. You yes, know, George I try to tell my kids that all the time. <laughs> like George George Floyd wasn't the only black man in the past year that's been killed by police like that. Um, Breonna Taylor isn't the first. Ahmaud Arbery isn't the first, you know. So it's like even though we're saying these individuals' names, they're a symbol of all black women, all black men, you know, people that uh have those of those experiences. Right. Um and I think, too, the, the biggest thing about knowing these people from our history, again, their name just symbolized something. Um, like Harriet Tubman wasn't the only person that was freeing slaves. However, she's a symbol. Her name is a symbol for all of those people. You know, I think it makes it more personal. If we just say, oh, there were Blacks that were going and, you know, taking slaves and taking them to freedom, it wouldn't sound like without knowing a story, it wouldn't sound as good. It wouldn't be as interesting. Be but interesting. to say, no, it's, huh? It wouldn't be as like impactful to you. You know what I'm saying? It right. Resonate. Mm -hmm, for yeah. sure. And um, I think, yeah, I think, I think having the name instead of just a number, instead of just saying, oh, 500 black men were killed by police last year. That's like, you're detached from it. But to say, no, Ahmaud Arbery, you know what I'm saying? Like to actually say their names, it's like, no, those were actual people with names. They had families, they had loved ones, they had kids, you know, um, it keeps it personal. If you just look at numbers, it's like, oh, 500, 1,000, 10,000. It's like, oh, okay. You know, we're, we're detached. Right. Huh? Because you can't even think of 500 people. You right. Know? You, couldn't, you couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that, could, could, you, you wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. All right. Sean Brown. Um, so for John Brown, I want you guys to just think about what is an ally to you? Like a non-Black person, um, like people love saying, you know, allies, you're an ally, or I'm an ally, or what do I have to do to be an ally? Like, what is an ally to you? Um, and do, does all of our non-Black friends have to be allies? Like, I want you guys to kind of think about that. Ooh. Does that question make sense? Can, can you um, type that into the chat, please? Because I, I think I want to marinate a lot on that one. Okay. Okay. I got you. Because you know, I, I hang with them clear people, and a lot of them <laughs> not really allies. They fake allies, and not <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm gonna I save think, my conversation for after the re reading. Right. Um, I definitely think reading about John Brown is gonna change your whole perspective about your allies, my allies. <laughs> um, hold on, I'm typing it. Mm 
I hope that I typed that right. I'm gonna send it though. I'm gonna give y'all a second to check that out. <clears throat> <laughs> like, this is such a good question. <laughs> oh. Okay, y'all ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. John Brown and the outbreak of the Civil War. There wouldn't be a Civil War without John Brown. People will say, oh, John Brown was crazy. You ask them why you say that. And they'll say, well, look at what he did in Kansas. What did he do in Kansas? He killed people in Kansas. Yeah, but do they know why he did it? Today, when they have presidential elections, people talk about battleground states. Man, let me tell you, most folks today don't know what a battle, battleground state is, is all about. As I mentioned earlier, in 1854, the U.S. government passed the Kansas-Nebraska Act. That meant that some land they stole from Native Americans would be the U.S. territory that became the states of Kansas and Nebraska. It also meant that the people who lived there could decide whether the states would be free or slave states. Folks from both sides moved to Kansas ready to fight. I don't mean argue. I mean they got ready to shoot and cut one another to death, and that's what some of them ended up doing. Now that's a battleground state. Well, one of the people who went there was John Brown. After some dirty pro-slavery dogs raided Lawrence, Kansas and tore up the offices of some abolitionist newspapers and went crazy looting the rest of the town, John Brown and his men came in and killed five pro-slavery men, hacked them to death. That same year, 1856, Brown and his men, including his sons, fought against the pro-slavery forces at the Battle of Black Jack and the Battle of Osawatomie. That was John Brown. I'm not talking about some poor chump who joins the army just so he can make a living and then goes out to kill whomever the government tells him to kill. I'm talking about a man who had a belief so strong that he was willing to die for it. I've said it once before, white is not a color, it's an attitude. By skin color, John Brown was a white man, but he may have been the best friend black folks ever had. He believed that slavery was straight up evil and he didn't want to hear about peaceful opposition to slavery. He knew it would take action to get rid of that mess. In 1859, when he decided to raid Harper's Ferry in Virginia, now in Western Virginia, he had 21 people with him, five of them black. Now, Harper's Ferry was the US government munitions place where weapons were made. So it was full of military rifles and bullets. The government had four divisions of troops guarding it. Brown and fewer than two dozen men got in there, killed four people and wounded a bunch more and held the soldiers off for two days. Two days before the soldiers could break in the engine room where John Brown and his men were holed up. Now, there's a reason I will place John Brown as one of the most important people who ever lived in the history of planet Earth. Here's a man who not only decided to kill for me and die for me, but he took his own sons with him. You can't risk more than that. You can't sacrifice more than that. Even now, I go to the site every year on my birthday, and then I go back on October 16th. That's the day of the raid. And then I go on December 2nd, which is the day they hanged him. You think Lincoln didn't know what he was doing when he put that Statue of Freedom at the US Capitol facing east? He put that there on December 2nd, 1863. 
He didn't say it was in honor of John Brown, but think about it. When John Brown was about to die, somebody yelled up at him, how you feel now, nigger lover? He said, what I'm dying for? If I was defending rich white men, I'd be your hero. And when he hit the last step up to the gallows and the noose they were going to hang him with, he said, oh, by the way, I talked to God last night and God told me to tell you that you missed the last chance of freeing the Negro without bloodshed. Brown continued, the Negro would be freed and it would be the biggest bloodbath in the history of war. The American Civil War was the first war in history where officers on both sides had gone to the same school, West Point. They knew each other's strategies. That's why the war dragged on like that. There hadn't ever been a war like that. That was some nasty stuff. The two sides would stand there and shoot at each other. And then when they ran out of bullets, then the real thing started. Charging at each other and scooping out each other's guts with those bayonets until the ground and everybody on it was covered in red. If there's a hell, it must look a lot like that. It was because of John Brown. They killed John Brown and 18 months later, the war started because after what Brown and his men did, there was no turning back. Slavery was going to end or it was going to continue. But either way, the question of slavery was going to be decided through bloodshed. And during the war, what were the Northern soldiers singing? John Brown's body lies moldering in the grave. Not God bless America, but John Brown's body. You see, racist whites weren't satisfied with just killing John Brown. After he was dead, they sent word, we're not going to let John Brown's body get back to New York. When black men heard that, we lined the road from Harper's Ferry to that little town in New York where Brown was buried, lined the roads, shoulder to shoulder saying, come on y'all, come on, just try to get him. And that's how Brown's body got back home. Black men saying, you think you're gonna stop something? You will over our dead bodies. Y'all get why I asked that question now? <laughs> Good question. Um, I, I think, I think the past couple months, I've decided what an ally is for me. Um, it's not necessarily dying for me, but sacrificing something for me or my people, whether it be a job, whether it be your family or your friends, um, or, you know, if you see a cop with his knee on a black man's neck, you step in with your privilege to do something about it because nine times out of 10, he's not gonna kill you, you know? So for me, like, that is what an ally is, not making an Instagram post or not, you know, and also money. If you're an ally, buy from my black ass business or my friend's black business, you know, like money talks. You can't just say, oh, I'm not racist and I don't do those things, so I'm an ally. You have to be an active participant to be an ally, not just neutral or I'm not, you know, I'm not doing racist shit, so I'm good. No, it's beyond a Facebook post, it's beyond, you know, social media, it's beyond um, whatever other dumb shit non-Black people do to show that, you know, that they support, like, I don't need you to wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. I mean, that's great. That's great. That's cool. Whatever, whatever makes, you know, racist white people uncomfortable, I love. However, you can't just stop there. And that goes for black people too. You know, you can't just do superficial things and think that change is going to happen. But an ally has to be willing and ready to fight with you, maybe not physically, but fight with you in order to, for things to change, you know, otherwise, what are we even talking about? Right. <laughs> I'm waiting for <laughs>
that's just Say that. Say that, cuz. Say that. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a prime example. See, now I'm friends with a lot of them clear people. And, mm-hmm. um, like, a lot of them have been really, oh, be careful, son. A lot of them have been really silent, and I called them out on their racist selves. Mm-hmm. However, one of my friends, Tori, she's invited to the cookout. Like, mm-hmm. not only does she and Lily, I love Lily too. You might have seen me post about Lily. Like, I'm thankful mm-hmm. that I got friends like her or whatever. Lily has, she has her master's degree in like psychology or counseling. I don't know, something like that. But she's mm-hmm. offered like an open space to talk about these situations with people that are, you know, clear like her. And between Lily and Tori, they literally fell out with family members because of stuff like this so they mm-hmm. are I think, in my opinion true allies because it's, they've mm-hmm. had enough and i don't know if it's because they worked in the south with these kids and that they changed their minds because a lot of them never seen black people before but mm-hmm. they literally have you know taken the the step up like hey this is what i'm doing this is enough is enough and i appreciate them and right. then i have a friend that i went to bradley with she's mm-hmm. like out of the loop like she doesn't she didn't know where to start and she was like chanel you my friend i love you my sister she said but how do i become more knowledgeable and i told her honestly i said i don't know how to educate you but i'm gonna put you in tune with lily and tori and lily mm-hmm. and tori can assist you and ever since then you know she's been donating her money she's been buying mm-hmm. black you know she's been really supportive but then again those there are those silent partners y'all silent and I don't, I don't have nothing for y'all silent people because what are you doing? I don't know what mm-hmm. you're doing. You're not talking to me. And I, honestly, my relationship with Tori, Ashley, and Lily has gotten so much stronger since this. And I, I don't want to say I'm thankful for them, you know, the, the Black folks who made it happen, but it just makes our conversations much better. We literally checking in with each other every day. Hey, how you doing? And we're making mm-hmm. visits to see each other. So right. even Look, even my mom was like, is, is Tori boyfriend black? <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah, she's going to say, Tori invited to the cookout. I said, yeah, because when we were in Memphis, we went and hung out with her. And she just really mm-hmm. like, she really hurt. You know what I'm saying? She's not sugarcoating mm-hmm. anything like that. And I think that's a true ally. Mm-hmm. So that's Yeah, that's for true. sure. You you can't say you are an ally, but when you when you sitting at the dinner table and your family saying racist shit or racially insensitive, yep. yeah, or racially insensitive shit or saying, you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. no, are you an ally then? You can't be two-faced. You can't say to us, I'm an ally, I promise, but then you don't stand up for, you know what I'm saying? So you're really, not. you're not an ally in your heart because if you were, you would call that shit out. Exactly. You would tell your family that's that's not okay, and if y'all gonna continue to believe that and speak like that, then I'm not gonna be here. Mm-hmm. And I think and that that's that moment where your family really realized, like, oh, shit about that life, mm-hmm. right? And it and it really makes them like stop and think, like, if it, you know, I mean, they may just let you go and not give a damn, or more than likely, they gonna say, oh, this must be important if she's not coming around anymore you know it's just, it would just slightly change their mindset enough to say maybe I should pick up a book and educate myself or maybe yep. I should you know 
just kind of let that wall down a little bit to think maybe I am wrong. Maybe I have been brainwashed by white media to think that all black people are criminals. And, you know, it's, yeah, but you, you, you got to sacrifice something. You can't just, it, it, it just has to happen. For anything that you, that you want, you have to sacrifice for it, whether it's time, whether it's relationships. So if you say you care about me and you love me, then show me. I like I, I need I need to see you and even if it's a social media thing I need you to be on social media checking motherfuckers in your comments or you know all of that don't just oh that you know that's my uncle or that's my cousin and letting it slide no check that shit right then and there if you think x y and z then I'm unfriending you or you can unfriend me or I'm blocking your ass like that's an ally not not coming to it or letting people come on your page and, and say stupid shit Show me the show. Show me the money. Show me the actions. Period. Otherwise, you're not you're not even gonna be comfortable being around me at this point. Yeah, I um I totally agree. Cause what do you what are you doing? You just uh what what do they call it? Uh, um a bystander. You just gonna let it happen? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, right. Um, Y'all ever seen that show on? I forgot what sh what channel it comes on, but it was like, "What would you do?" Mm -hmm. And then it'd be like people uh, at a restaurant arguing, or you know, people in public doing something crazy, and they asking like, "What would you do?" Type situation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this we're living in a "What would you do?" for those people who are our quote unquote allies. Like, what would you do? Yeah. Um, let me ask y'all this: Do y'all think? When y'all see the videos that pops up online, right? And do you think they're allies when they're sharing the videos, right? And not just with the, like more so with like the Karens, you know, you've heard the term the Karens and the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when they're recording them and you see this in a lot of videos, like you see somebody recording, but nobody's really saying anything or they're watching the altercation. Like are those, are they allies because they are, sharing the information are they silent allies are they just friending you know what i'm saying and doing what's what's popular at the moment which is recording everything you know like what, what do y'all think like i don't really have I don't, you know what i don't have any white friends um i gotta open my circle a little bit more i don't have any white friends um but i work around a lot of white people yeah i i think that the the latter part of what you said, it's our generation. They quit to record everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, let me record this, but I don't want to seem this way and I don't want to seem that way. You know, so let me post it and see what the world has to say so I can make my opinion, which is stupid to me. Um, I feel like a true ally would be the one that's being recorded, not recording. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it, I think it's definitely our generation of recording everything. Um, I also think some people have this mentality of, I can't get involved. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the power of the police is so great in our minds. Like they, they represent power. Right. So it's like, you know, we all would we all would love to say, 
oh, if I was there when that was happening to George Floyd, I wouldn't have let it happen. However, how do you know if you've never been in that situation? Have okay. you ever got have you ever gotten physical with a cop? Have you ever fought a cop? Have you you know what I'm saying? Like most of us have never done that. So how can we say I wouldn't have let it happen? All I can do is say, I hope if I'm ever in that situation, God just puts in my spirit what needs to happen. Like I need to just have an out-of-body experience and I'm not even thinking about it because you see, you know, the the uniform represents power. So it's like a psychological thing where where it's a cop doing this to a person. What am I supposed to do? It's a cop, you know? But um I also think, you know, like I said, it's it's the social media thing, you know, and I, I feel like a lot of them don't even give a fuck. It's just like, oh, look at this crazy shit that's happening. Let right. me record it so I can get likes on my page or, you know, uh-huh. I'll go viral or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think, I think your original question was like, are they allies? And like Chanel said, true allies not recording shit. <laughs> Okay. Right. You know, like they're they're in action when they fussing and yelling like the person. Yep. Yeah, they they in action. They don't. They not even thinking about pulling their phones out or, you know, I did I did read this one story of a woman. Um, some cops was was fucking with the with the black guy, and she pretty much walked up and was like, "What are y'all doing? Why are y'all messing with him?" X Y and Z, and she pulled her phone out and was acting like she was talking to somebody. And she's like, okay, what's your name? And what's your badge number? And that immediately like got the cop, like she a white woman. So he like, I don't know who the fuck she talking to. She'd be talking to the damn captain. Like, you know what I'm saying? So just that alone made him back, you know, back off or whatever. That was a white so, woman that did that? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, she pulled out her phone, but she did something with it. She used it as a weapon. And she wasn't even on the phone with anybody. She was just right. making it seem like she was. She was actually just recording the conversation. And that's how they use their power. I need, exactly. I need you to use your power in that way. How you gonna help me? Yes, yes. Use that that's, privilege, baby. That's the big one. Use your privilege to uh, to help. You know what I'm saying? To actually save somebody. Because like I said, if a white person had ran up on them cops that was kneeling on George Floyd, they wouldn't have killed them. No. And all it all it would have took was a was a push, you know what I'm saying? Like that's it. It's like it's that's so hard to think about. Like the um I don't wanna go too far off the subject, but I'm gonna just say this one thing. Um it was so hurtful the the black guy that was standing there that you, you heard him talking through most of the video, you could just hear the pain in his voice. Like he not breathing. Like you could just tell he you know, he felt he felt pain and he felt powerless. You know, and it's just like, damn, like, we love to say, how could y'all just stand there? But there's no telling if that man got kids. There's no telling if he taking care of his sick mother. Like, he might have been sitting there thinking, like, I don't want this to happen, but I, people depend on me. Right. I can't just sacrifice myself. Like, what, you know what I'm saying? I'm, it's, yeah. I'm going to the woods. Yeah. But I, you know, I definitely, I definitely don't like the people that's like, they could have saved him and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, if, if that man had tried to save them and he died too, was you going to take care of his kids? Because we don't do that. We don't do that. We're not going to be like, for, uh, uh, right. Or, or assault an officer or something like that. Now he's wrapped up. Right. In, now he's taken away. You know, you don't know who about people got money and finances set up. Like, right. people got mail mm-hmm. money. Just, mm-hmm. 
hanging around the average worker, nine to five. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think I think we have to we have to praise people that do stuff, but not bash people that don't do that doesn't you know that don't do something in that moment. You know, because you never know people's situation. However, for white people, I'm like, bitch, you could have did something. You okay? You had all the power in the world to do something, but for another black person or uh, or black presenting person, because you know we got Hispanic people that that look black, um, like Puerto Ricans are black, but whatever. That's another subject. Black presenting people, it's like you like you could die if you try to save that man. Yeah. But white people, y'all could have did something. Y'all could have yeah. did something. But you know what? They gotta be willing to even just be open enough to the concept that they can do something. And I don't yeah. think white people are open enough to even realize that they can do something. You know what I'm saying? Like they look at it as if like they're not in this picture. Like, oh my God, look what's happening. Look, look such and such, look what's happening over there. But they don't, they don't really see or get how they could be, you know right. what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. How they could affect change or how they could, I, I they could literally save someone's life. I think that's the difference between knowing as a white person if I'm a true ally or not. Right. You know, because the true allies would be like, yeah, let's go. But the ones who that that on the borderline, they're like, uh, should I? Should I not? What is my family mm-hmm. gonna say? What you know, what are my friends gonna say? Mm-hmm. Type stuff. stuff. So I think that they need to as many diversity trainings as I presented to in my, in my college years and my professional development years, a lot of people do not realize who they are affects how they think. Mm-hmm. So in the in the professional development training that I do with a lot of teachers, I do something called a um, identity wheel. Like, who are you? What's your race? What's your ethnicity? So that's a lot of things that people get misconstrued in, in any way. Like, Oh, my race and my identity are the same. No, I mean, my race and ethnicity are the same. No, they're not. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't identify personally me as African-American. I don't know anything mm-hmm. African. My family, as far as I know, goes back to Arkansas and Mississippi. Like, I'm mm-hmm. Black. I'm a Black American. I'm not African-American. Versus, like, my my mom's friend. He's a legitimate african-american you know what i'm saying he's from nigeria he lives in america he's a african-american so mm-hmm. um when i do those professional developments with teachers it's like how do how does your view of who you are affect how you teach my kids that look like me all of my kids are not from middle class or uh even shoe high class or anything like that they're they're literally low class citizens they literally born from paycheck to paycheck. How does you having a a physical or a mental disability affect how you treat my kids? Like th- those mm-hmm. are the types of conversations that needs to happen, and a lot of people aren't getting those because people don't sure. realize that the the way that you grow up and the way that you've been sheltered or not been sheltered affects the way that you treat other people who have not had those same experiences. Right. Absolutely. Right. It's about acknowledging your privilege. Exactly. You know, acknowledging what your privilege is and then using that to help your neighbors. Not the yep. people living next to you, but everybody else in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, people view when when 
especially white people, when they hear the word privilege, it's like, my life hasn't been easy. I had to work yeah. hard. And it's like, nigga, ain't nobody say your life was easy. We just say there's other people out here that have a harder life when they shouldn't for the wrong reason. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's, that's like me telling somebody that is handicapped or in a wheelchair, my life has been hard. I've had challenges. Like, okay, that's great. But I'm in a wheelchair. Like, damn. Right. right. You know, I need I need some ramps and shit in this motherfucker. Right. Help okay. me out. Okay. <laughs> the same building you going to building for me to get around. Right. Like yeah. hey, that's that's just like I use this all the time when I do the professional developments. I say, you know the first thing I, I do when I wake up. No, I ask them, I say, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Can y'all answer that question? Me? Yeah. What's the first thing I do? Look at my phone. Trisha, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? I literally think about how I could make my life better. Like, and and usually it's like in a financial way, like, damn, I got to make some money today. Like, that's what, like, my stress is hitting me first. Okay, you privileged mother effers. You know, the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning? Hmm. Where my glasses at? <laughs> right. <laughs> That and that alone makes everybody laugh in the PD, but it also makes them realize, like, dang, I don't think about that. And all the people with glasses be like, yes, <laughs> baby, no, for real, that is no, for real. <laughs> hey. I don't, I, I don't remember. I don't remember if I read that in a book somewhere, or maybe it was just on social media. But it was something where I was like, "Oh, niggas wake up and can't see shit." Like, no, <laughs> I never, like, I never really put myself in that position where I'm like, people literally wake up and are not blind, but like, shit just blurry. I can't imagine yes, that. I wake, I, up, I wake up and right I here. see clearly. Right there, yeah. I look right there in the morning. Oh, funny. That, that, mm -hmm. That's real, though, because I literally have a client who says, like, she perfectly falls asleep in her glasses, because if she don't, then she, ain't go, she, can't, she can't see. She okay. Can't see. That's, a real, that's a real yeah. good, uh, a good way to put that. That's a real good right. way. And, and, and that's a subtle privilege that y'all right. have over me. You know right. what I'm saying? So imagine the bigger things, like, oh, you... Your parents have been making three hundred thousand a year. My mom only makes thirty five thousand dollars a year. So, my mm -hmm. vision on what is you know mandatory or what I need to live my life is different from <clears throat> what you need to live your life. So now, when I get in trouble as a student, you thinking, "Oh, that student doesn't know any better," and blah blah blah. But really, you have a privileged life. You you have more than what mm -hmm. I have so what I think is different from what you think and I try to get right. that through the teachers all the time but realistically speaking Maybe one professional development you shush one professional <laughs> development is not going to work change your pamper not at all. I like um I like the one video can you thank you cousin <laughs> I like the, the one video where they have people of all different demographics and ages, like, on a football field. They're all at one goal line, and then it's like, okay, if you, blah, 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 if your parents have a college degree, if, you know, and it was like, people were looking around like, oh, shit, like, you know, and everybody's at different 
in different yeah. places on the field. And it, it literally gives them a visual of, okay, yes, I've gone through things, but other people have gone through things. Like everybody's struggles is different. Like millionaires have struggles, millionaire, billionaires have problems, but how stupid is it to say you're, how you feel or what you go through isn't valid? Oh, right. you're just lazy or, you know, you put yourself in that position. It's like, why can't we say, I understand where you're coming from or I sympathize with you and that'd be it. Why you even got to bring your shit in? How selfish right. is that? Right. How selfish is that? Right. You know, like you, you have, especially like the, the poor whites It's like, I grew up poor and I had to work for everything and my parents didn't pay for me to go to college and I had to work five jobs and it's like, bro, <laughs> that's like, okay, those are valid, those are valid struggles. Right. However, imagine, imagine a black poor person and all of the, you know what I'm saying, the shit that's against them. It's even worse. On top of everything you had to deal with, now they have to deal with being black. Yep, yep. And you know what? two things like really stood out about that video for me. One was how how excited the the young white kids were to move up, to be able to have that head start, right? Yeah. Second thing was how a lot of those black kids still smoked all mm. of them privileged folks, right? Still ran so much faster than everybody else, right? Just to end up in the mm. same place, right? Right. Just to the point of realizing like I still have to compete with you and I ended up at the same place with you you had six that you were six steps ahead of me because of the privilege and I mm -hmm. still ran I still got there I still had to work twice as hard right because I'm coming from further right. just to get right. to the same finish line not to get further mm -hmm. to get to the right. finish line and still compete with you at the finish line right you right know what I mean? like yeah that, it's the fact that you don't you really don't have to stand at the finish line right i still had mm -hmm. the finish line coming from further behind i mm -hmm. still had ass like some boys were, they were running mm -hmm. just to get to the same place yep and then they look at you like why are you out of breath <laughs> or why are you upset <laughs> right like <laughs> Right. It's cra and 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 really, if they if they would just accept the the fact that black people are fucking magical, right? Like, if only you could, if only like this is just a scenario that I have in my head. A white person is able to get to a position quicker than a black person, and then when a black person finally gets there, and they say, "Man, you don't know what I had to do to get here," right? Instead of them saying, "Like, well, I had to work hard too." It's like, oh, tell me what you had to go through. And then you become and then you become friends and you become allies and then you go further together as opposed to just disregarding what somebody has gone through or making it seem like since I didn't go through that, you must be lying or exaggerating. Right. You know? Or that affirmative action word. Mm -hmm. Oh, they just got it because of affirmative action. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, sure. Maybe they only, maybe they did only get that that position because of affirmative action. However, you got to look at the bigger picture. Why, does Why do we have that? Exist? Exactly. Why does it exist? If right. it didn't, if if we didn't need to create that, then trust and believe we will be smoking y'all ass in every fucking industry. Yep. Yep. So, 
Yeah. You should you should be happy that it's only five spots for a black person because we'll come <laughs> in here and take over all y'all shit. <laughs> for real. If you really want to be funny as a black woman, I already suck too. So you already what? Take up two. Like it's only five spots in here for us. As a black woman, I already take up two. You got a right, you a black mm-hmm. and a woman. Right. Yeah. I already take up two. So my one person, my one individual body takes up two positions. Mm-hmm. For sure. But that, that means that's a position somebody else doesn't get in. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. It's like, oh, we could just hire a black woman and just have one of them in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or knock yeah. that down to two. We got Tristan in there. She's black and she's a woman. Okay, right. that's two for one. We we did good. We hired yeah. one more. We hit our whole quota for the year. Right. That's for crazy. Real. That's crazy. I, I, I always I always feel bad when I just see pictures and it's like the the one or two lonely black people, you know, in the group picture. And it's just like I immediately like feel their discomfort, you know? And and I know every brother ain't a brother, every sister ain't a sister. Some of them is, is happy and glad to be in that situation. You know, they are comfortable being in those spaces. But me being a black woman, I know I wasn't comfortable in those spaces. And it wasn't always anything blatant, you know? It might have been something as simple as some shit going on in Black America and y'all motherfuckers in here acting like nothing is going on. Something as simple as that, you know? Like, I could not imagine still being in the military with all of this going on. I could not imagine. Like, I would blow up. I would blow up sitting in a meeting, you know? And I was, I was most of the time, the, the, only, the only female in the room the only black female in the room. Um, it was another black officer that uh, that worked there, but most of the people sitting around that table was middle uh, middle aged white men, Catholic and shit at that. Like you know, so you just you feel the you just feel that energy that energy of white male privilege in the room, or that's mm-hmm. and of course it could all be in my head, right? But that's what I felt like. This is not. This is not a space for uh, black people in general, you know. Right. As a like, as a young adult, I was definitely that like token black girl, you know, just from that the the, the pitch and the sound of my voice and mm-hmm. the environment that I was in, and like looking back, knowing that. A lot of that I created because, you know, you want to fit in into those environments. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, yeah, like you want to fit in. So being young, it's just like, I know what it's like to be that single person standing in the room and thinking, right, that you fit in. Or Mm -hmm. Tristan, you know, you're, you're, you're like an Oreo, like you're, you're the whitest black girl I know. You're the, uh, you're, you're different or not like them or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate to use the term like woke because I think it's just overused in a lot of ways. But I do feel like when you start to become aware as maturity starts to hit you, whenever that may be, it's not an age thing. Right. Not an age thing. But right. as you start to mature and start to understand, it's just like your whole demeanor changed. The way you just walk into a room changed. Like it's, it's like certain conversations. It's like I'm not even going to tolerate. I'm not even going to associate mm-hmm. with. Um, you mm-hmm. thinking that I'm the whitest black girl you know, or I'm the nicest, or whatever the case may be. Like, I can't even, it's like, oh, you think so? 
Right. Like everything shut down. Everything yeah. shut down. When before, when I was like 20, 21, 22, 23, I was like, oh, ha, ha, laughing at all. Right, you know? right. Stay acceptable in those uh, workplaces, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah. No, that's, that's thinking a... about. Go ahead, Ron. Nope, you go. I think like thinking about those, like when I was younger type situations, like, for me, I always like to make people feel uncomfortable, especially those that didn't look like me. So my freshman year, I lived in the dorms, you know, and most of them were white. My roommate, of course, she was my cousin's best friend, so we was already family. But it was like the girls we hung out with at the time, well, even still to this day, Ashley, the one who reached out to get more information, mm-hmm. she was like, my girl, like, a mom made cookies. She named the cookies after me. So when she still sold them and stuff, they were called Chanel's cookies because they were like my favorite cookies. Her Aww. grandma does care packages. Like she was really my ace born coon in college. But I always put them in uncomfortable positions. Like on some, it was three, it was her and her roommate. And then this other girl that we hung out with, all three of them were white. And then it was me and Cora. So me and Cora got on the ends of them and I called it a triple stuffed Oreo, you know, on stuff like that. Like, to see how they will play it and it, it was like you know they joked it off and laughed it off but at the time I should have checked them in like oh okay you know what's funny about it why are you laughing are you laughing because you like again with me or are you laughing because you don't think it's funny or you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so I was just like okay but even still to this day one of actually two out of those three because Ashley stepped up and came you know talk. But those other two girls have yet to say anything about everything that's going on. Mm. So it's like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what you what you said was so powerful. Um, and I've done this to people when they when they say something, and you say, "What's funny about that?" Not yeah. even in an ag- not even in an aggressive way, but explain that to me. What's right. funny about that? Because I want to laugh too. Like yeah. not even in and not even in giving no attitude or bad energy. Tell me what's funny about that. Or yeah. just what do you mean? Yep. Because That's, a lot of I was times say that. a lot of times they're programmed and just repeating shit, you know, that mm-hmm. they think is socially okay. But then when you ask them, what do you mean by that? Then yes. they realize how then they realize how dumb it is. Because it makes them stop and be like, Oh, what do I mean? Why do I? What do I mean? Why did I say that? Why do I yes. say that? You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, I like just I had to ask myself that question. Um, growing up, like you hear people say, "Oh, black people don't support each other," and you know, like that self hate shit. Black people this and black people that. You know, we putting ourselves down and stuff like that. So just like you said, growing you know growing up and stuff in my early twenties, I would say stuff like that. But then it's like as I became more educated, that's the word I like to use. Yeah. As I became more educated, I'm like, why do we say that? That's some, like, why do we say that? You know, it's all those little, little, uh, you know, like black on black crime, black people don't support each other. You know, all those little taglines that we repeat. But why are you actually saying it? You unconsciously start to speak out the very things that you're repeating over and over. So if it's now black mm-hmm. black crime, okay, so now you're finding every case. Mm-hmm. But you feel like that was the case or if you find you know uh black-owned businesses don't give good service because that's one i hear a lot 
And it's like, now every example you use is going to be the only two restaurants you've ever visited. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, back home, like you didn't give the other six down the road an opportunity to show you otherwise. Right. You know? Right. It's just what you say out loud is what you start to believe, you know? For sure. And that becomes your reality. Yeah. If you, if you constantly think, um, oh, it's so much black on black crime, then that's all you're going to see. If you think, oh, black people never support each other. Ain't nobody gonna support you, or you know what I'm saying? Or the people around you, like, right? That, like, that, that you can't put that energy into the into the universe. Right. You know what I'm saying? Why not highlight? Why not highlight the good? You know? And I think another issue, just as far as, oh, uh, black black businesses have terrible service. Okay, so does Verizon. So does T-Mobile. So does motherfucking Red Lobster. So does Boiling Crab. So does all these other companies, yet you don't stop going there. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that. Huh? So all you do is turn around and find another one. Like, I don't like that real life, so I'm going to go to the one on the cater instead. That's all yep. you do. Yep. Or, you know, why can't we have the mentality of, because I feel like we don't give each other enough, uh, we don't give each other enough grace yeah. where you see a, a, a ignorant black person and you know, you just automatically want to cancel them. Oh, they ain't worth shit, blah, 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 blah. Why not try to speak love and life into the interaction? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying somebody could slap you and you don't do nothing. But yeah. if, let's say you got a, a black server and she come up to your table and she got an attitude, why not try to see or think about why she's that way? Ain't no telling what sis been through or what she was dealing with this morning or you know she may not even realize that she's putting off that type of energy so if you put life into the situation or love into the interaction there's no telling what that could become but you immediately oh she got an attitude and i don't like she stank or whatever like it ain't never gonna get better if you just got the mentality of oh i i'm not dealing with that you know but you're gonna deal with you're gonna deal with uh with uh Karen down the street with, you know, giving you the same stank ass attitude. So, but people don't realize that's, that's self hate that's just been programmed into us constantly from ourselves, from media, everything, you know, it's, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, you, you definitely right. You definitely right. And hacking, a lot of people say like, Oh, college ain't for everybody, move woo, woo. But I honestly believe, like, had I not went to college, I wouldn't have had these experiences that make me feel like this. And mm-hmm. on top of that, had I not went to a predominantly white institution, I would not have these experiences that make me feel like this. Because mm-hmm. if I would have went to HBCU, everybody around there looked like me. Is that the reality? No. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I got in the real world. My Literally, cousin, you know this. I graduated on May 15th, May 6th, May 16th, I had a job. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching in Arkansas, everybody white, mm-hmm. all the teachers, mm-hmm. all the kids black, but the reality is I'm working with predominantly white staff. If I would have went to HBCU, that would have been my first experience dealing with racism and stuff like that. Right. But mm-hmm. because I've, I've had that experience at a white institution, I'm, I'm kind of ready for it a little bit more, you know? For sure. So people be like, go to HBCU, go to HBCU. My motto: go where the money take you. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that that black 
that black school yeah is going to empower you and things like that but is it going to prepare you for the real world is the real world predominantly black no mm-hmm. is are you going to be working with uh, a black organization i mean granted some people do go and go straight to the black force but realistically speaking mm-hmm. you you're going to experience some of that bias some of that you know oh your hair is nice today Oh, you got a new hair every time. Like those those subtle microaggressions mm-hmm. is what we call mm-hmm. them. Like, mm-hmm. And then if you go to a black school, you're not experiencing that because one, everybody in your class black, your teacher black, your president black, everything is so blackity, blackity, black. Then once you mm-hmm. graduate, now it's your first time experiencing that. However, me, my first day of school, I'm experiencing that because they asking, oh, African-Americans X, Y, and Z, Chanel. Yeah. Like I'm the voice of the people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you probably were. You said everybody was white. You but, are and, but, of- but and then I'm in smaller classes too. It's like seven of us in the classroom. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like they really thinking and I have to tell them like I'm not I don't speak for every black person. Don't don't look at me for all the answers. But they've never experienced that before. Somebody saying it. They used to somebody being a yes man, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not all black people. You can't right. take my, my word for face value because I'm not everybody. Right. So I I think that I think there's power in going to an HBCU and going to definitely. a PWI. It's yeah. it's pros and cons. And I definitely never thought about uh what you said, just as far as you around all black people with certain stuff that you just mentally not prepared for. You don't even know how to handle those situations, you know. Um so I don't know necessarily how, how somebody that goes to HBCU would get around that. But like you said, I guess it depends on what you want to do. Like you may go to HBCU and open your own black ass business or maybe you work, you know, like it just, it depends on what, uh, what you want to accomplish. You know, if it's, Hey, I want to go where the money at, then that may mean go going to a PWI, you know? So it just, I don't know. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to write off the HBCU, though, or that experience. Right. You know what I would say? Um, I didn't go to college. And so what I would say is that not going, I think, uh, hindered me in a way of being, like, open. So I feel like as I've grown as an adult, there's a lot of experiences that I was very, like, naive to and very gullible to just because I wasn't – I just, I just, I, I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm pretty much from Vegas and I didn't go and explore out, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so PWI, HBCU, like I think to go to college in general is major. Like college is not for everybody. I do understand that, but I think it's major to just get away from your known environment, whatever this yeah. may be, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like you said, like, it may be a situation where there's subtle aggressions that you have to figure out how to handle. Well, if you've only worked in your little neighborhood marks, you may not know that. You know what I'm saying? Right. You may not realize that there's black people that are multifaceted and they don't just come in one one type of box. Like there's right. a lot of black people. You will see that at an HBCU. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Either yeah. way. Yeah. I tell anybody I can, like, afford uh, allow yourself to at least have the opportunity. Even if you go for a semester, if you go for a year, allow yourself to just have some type of opportunity that's outside of your known environment. You know Because right. mm-hmm. you trip up on a lot of the, like I said, you, you become you become naive to things because you're just not as aware. 
for sure. Just mm-hmm. less worldly experiences yep. kind of, you know, boxes you in for sure. For sure. Yep. All right. You guys ready for the next chapter? I type the <laughs> You said what? That was good. Food though. That was good. That was good. <laughs> right i love it i love it okay go ahead and uh read the next question what's important (laughs) i don't know I may have worded it wrong but i don't know how else to word it so you have you have a, a black person that's fighting to to make a change in black America, but they're doing it in the wrong way, or at least in your opinion, you know, that's not the best method. What's worse, what's a, what's worse, what's a worse person than them? Are you asking this now or do you want to read first? We're going to read, but I just, I want you to understand the question that way when we're reading, you can kind of okay. reflect. Can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what's what's worse than trying to make a change but doing it wrong? Right. So I'm doing something, but I'm not doing it the right way. What's worse than that? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, when you're done, though. Okay. <laughs> Cousin, you, you good or no? Nah? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm about to read. The 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment. Next time you hear some racists say, black people don't want to do anything to help themselves. Tell him about the black soldiers who enlisted in the Union Army during the Civil War. See what he has to say then. Truth is, 186,000 black soldiers enlisted. Around 50,000 came from free states and another 40,000 came from what they called border states. Those were slave states that hadn't seceded from the Union. In those states, some fought for the Union, some fought some for the Confederacy, but the biggest number of Black soldiers, about 93,000, came from the Southern states that had left the Union. All of them were called the Union States Colored Troops. Mostly they were led by white officers. The white officers weren't exactly fighting each other over the chance to command the Blacks. That changed, though, after the Blacks proved they could fight well and bravely, and after their regiment started to make a name for themselves. It was no different with the black soldiers, four men from the all black 54th Massachusetts Infantry. That's the regiment whose story is told in glory, won medals for gallantry after their assault on Fort Wagner on Morris Island, South Carolina in July, 1863. They were gallant, all right. A whole bunch of them gave up their lives. Just like with everything else black folks tried to do in those days, the first thing black soldiers had to do was convince white folks that they were up to the job. At first, the union didn't want black soldiers. When the Civil War was heading into its third year and the South was showing no signs of giving up, getting help from Black soldiers finally started to seem like a good idea. After Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation freeing the slaves, a Black leader in Boston named Louis Hayden convinced the abolitionist governor of Massachusetts, John Andrew, to put together a regiment of Black soldiers. That's how the 54th was born. A Union general, Quincy Gilmore, wanted to capture South Carolina which a lot of folks thought of as the heart of the Confederacy. To do that, they had to get past a few strongholds, and one of the strongest was Fort Wagner. Trying to take out Wagner was like trying to knock, some, to knock somebody out in a boxing ring. That is, if the ring were hip deep in water and sand, and your opponent were wearing body armor. Wagner was on a strip of land with the Atlantic on one side and a swamp on the other. 
The fort was 30 feet high, 250 by 100 yards in size, and made of sand. That might not sound very strong, but it was fortified with logs and sandbags, and it had wooden spikes in front of it, spikes sharp enough to go right through you, plus landmines. Step on one of those, and it'd be the last last step you ever take in this life. You ever took in this life. Wagner had a moat around it too, and did I mention the 14 cannons sticking out of it? I give those Southern folks this much: they knew how to play defense. The Union wasn't stupid. They knew if they just charged Fort Wagner, they'd get shot down like ducks. So before they did, they tried firing shells at it. Problem was, Wagner had what they called a bombproof roof beams with 10 feet of sand on top of them. 54th spent most of the day shooting shells at that thing, and after about 11 hours, it was still standing. Still, the Union figured they had softened it up enough so the soldiers could take it. That's where the 54th came in. One of them was Lewis Henry Douglas, Frederick Douglass's son. They were commanded by Colonel Robert Gill Shaw, skinny white dude, wasn't but 25 years old. His parents were abolitionists. At that point, Colonel Shaw ordered 624 men from the 54th to quick march in with muskets and bayonets. As they got closer to Fort Wagner, they started to jog. When they were close enough, the Confederates inside the fort fired on them. Some from the 54th fell, but the others kept going. The wooden spikes didn't stop them. They climbed right, on, right over that crap. The moat didn't stop them either. All the shelling had half-filled it with sand. But the Confederates didn't stop firing either. The 54th got mowed down. Colonel Shaw got killed too, as did the waves of soldiers the Union sent in after the 54th. When it was all over, the fort still hadn't fallen. The 54th didn't succeed that day, but they were as brave as all hell, and they were fighting for Black folks' freedom and for the country, to keep it in one piece, north and south. They made the biggest sacrifice you can make. Deep. <laughs> Anyway, okay. Um, so the reference where my question came from, I had the feeling that they were fighting in a in an army that didn't really care about them, and it was almost like, was that the best option? To say, hey, we all gonna go join the army and fight the South. Was that the was that the the best option to do? Was that the best idea that we could come up with? And not to bash our ancestors, but um, you know, I look at that and it's like, shit, they were trying to do something, you know. Even though it, it may not have been the best option, they tried to do something. They tried to do something that they thought would make a change, or you know, oh, they're fighting to end slavery. We're going to be on the side of the people trying to end slavery, you know, not not realizing that, yeah, they're going to free you from slavery, but then put you in another fucked up situation and still kill you and still, you know, all of these things. So that's where the question came from. You know, what's worse than doing something, but it's not the right thing. And I, my answer is doing nothing. Mm, okay. uh, somebody that's like, Okay, yeah, I don't think that's the best option, but at least you're trying. At least you, you know, you're doing something to make a change. Maybe it will work, you know, but the person that's sitting on the couch that's not doing anything, that's not educating themselves, that's not 
you know, physically going out and fighting, that's not doing something for the growth of the black community, whether it's now or whether it's in 1850, whatever the fuck, you know, like, what's worse than that is the people that did absolutely nothing. Not, and not just, uh, again, not to bash people that were scared to do anything, but you got people that were like, well, I know what, I know what this world is like, you know, I may try to fight for something and end up worse or, you know, people that are just complacent and stagnant and I don't want to give up what I got, you know, just in hopes that things would be better. So I'm not going to do nothing. Mm -hmm. That's worse to me. That might've been a weird question, but that's the, I'll answer that a little differently, but I definitely, uh, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, I was thinking the person who does it with ill intent, you know, every intentions is everything, good, bad, mm-hmm. and different, whether I agree with you or not, what were your intentions behind it? Mm-hmm. That's worse to me than, than anything, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so not really in the terms of this particular situation, right? Because, you know, when you're going to die for something, I mean, that, that trumps everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Probably as pure as it can be for whatever your situation is. Right. Um, say you are, you know, in times like this and you're, you're protesting, but let's say you're protesting for views or protesting to be able to post or whatever like that, like your intentions aren't pure, mm-hmm. you know? And that's worse to me than than anything. Yeah. I mean, not pure. You know what I'm saying? You're doing it for gain of of whatever. Whatever the case right. is. Right. Right. Know? Whether it's whether it's money or social media or attention. Attention. You know. Right. You're doing mm-hmm. it to be able to say that you did it, but not because you wanted to make a change or because you realize how your presence would make a change. You know what I'm saying? Because right. you want to be able to post a picture. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that I think that discredits the movement as well because now it's like, oh, they just doing this for social media. It's a joke, you know, or it's just, it's not that big of a deal. People just following what they see on social media or on Instagram or whatever, and it's not a real problem when you yeah. have people like that, you know, for sure, yeah. for sure. Well, I think I, a fake allies fall into place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying the intent is wrong. Like you doing this because it's trendy, like any other part of Black culture. You yeah. Know what I'm you yeah. buy a You go out and protest. You put the fist up, and it's all just to say that you're hip, you're cool, you're a part of something. You know what I'm saying? Right. You want to it from from being cool and trendy because that's what Black culture is and will always probably be. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. you don't, you don't care about your, your Black home girl getting pulled over. You don't right. care. Oh, I'm sorry, that happened. Like you don't really care. Yeah, or it's like, what'd you do? <laughs> right. What did you? What do? did you do? <laughs> you shouldn't have made them angry. Like, isn't that what they say? <laughs> yeah. You know, just speaking on just, just speaking on that. Um, I read a Facebook post. It was like a long Facebook post. I must have had time that day. I don't know what made me read it. But it was about a white woman that adapt, adopted um, a young black boy. And as he got older, she started to see the racist shit that he dealt with. You know, like they were riding in a car one time and a police officer pulled her over and she's just like, 
oh, my tail light must be out or something. He just, you know, it was like so innocent. Like, oh, he's just, I didn't do anything. You know, he's just coming to tell me like my, my tail light is out. And the cops like came up to the windows and they had their hands on their guns and they're looking at her son who was like 15, 16 at that time. And they're asking her, ma'am, are you okay? And she's like, what do you mean? You know, so she, it was like, they wouldn't accept that she was okay because she had this dark-skinned black boy in her passenger seat. And they're thinking he's kidnapping her. And he's a young kid, you know what I'm saying? Like what, and you know, they're like, okay, well, who is he? And she's like, that's my son. You know, well, we need to see his ID. Not even let me see your ID. We need to see his ID. And I hope I'm regurgitating this right. But she's like, he's 16 or he's 15. He doesn't have an ID or something like that. And then, well, we need to verify who he is. And she's like, why? Like, what is, you know, she could not even fathom what was going on, you know. But after so many instances like that, it's like, oh, it's because he's black, you know. And then he's black and I'm white. And, you know, so it's just she made that post basically saying from her life of privilege, it was like, if a cop ever attacked her or which it never happened but it's like i've been in situations where i was doing x y and z and nothing came of it i've never experienced a police officer escalating a situation so when somebody comes to you and says i was just sitting there and this happened it's like that has never happened to me i have can't even visualize that so what do you mean like what did you do you're not telling me all the details you know but if you aren't there and you don't see it, she experienced it through her son. But if it had been her coworker, somebody that she's not with on a daily basis, she wouldn't have believed them. Right. Right. Like, no, that can't, that can't be the whole story. Right. And that's what they, that's what they think when they see the shit on the news. Right. Like, oh, a cop, a cop killed a black person. Well, he, he must have done even the most, even the most uh, great intentioned white people would think, well, he must have done something because why would a cop just kill him right for right. no reason or why would a cop pull him over for no reason like they can't even fathom that because it has never happened to them it has never happened to anybody that they care about so that problem they can't fathom it they can't even connect to that story you know I what thought, i'm sorry go ahead go ahead no i just thought that was powerful that she put her experiences on there speaking as a white woman you know like she's a white woman with a white family and a black son and she's like no i, I experienced this directly you know through him seeing how you know people treat him or talk to him versus how they talk to me you know and just the fact that she was able to understand what was going on and not just uh disregard it right. you know but to say, like, I, I also think, you know, even though she, no, she, maybe she did sacrifice some things by making that post, but I think it's great for white people to say, hey, this is my experience with right. X, Y, and Z. This is what I have seen, because then it makes other white people think, oh, well, that's a, you know, she's a, a great person and she wouldn't lie. So if she says this, then it must be some truth in it. And again, it just takes that one little mental switch to say maybe that is you know maybe that did happen maybe that is possible maybe people in the world are experiencing those things you know but what were you gonna say um well things like first um it's unfortunate but fortunate all at the same time because it's like unfortunate mm -hmm. to see 
she has to be the one to post it in order to give the the experience credit. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. It happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that's fortunate. It's unfortunate because it has to happen like that. It's fortunate that she did post it, though, so that it can happen. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. And then, two, um, I'm not against, like, a white family adopting a black child, right? Because... <laughs> need love okay 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 (laughs) (laughs) like decide you make the conscious decision to take in a black child it is your sole responsibility to understand what that child is going to have to go through what the uh, experiences they may have come from it is it's your responsibility to understand that these are possibilities so you can't just be like, oh my God, like, I never thought like my son's going to be the expectation or the exception. Just because you moved mm-hmm. him to the suburbs and put him in an always school don't mean he's the exception. It is your responsibility. The same way you do anything else. Right. You decide to buy a home. Are you not mm-hmm. going to figure out what environment that home is in when it was right. developed? You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, you, you're going to do your research. And if you decide to adopt a black child, it is your responsibility. You yeah. that child mm-hmm. to understand the experiences that that child is going to possibly go through. Mm-hmm. It's shame on you for not doing that. Shame on you for being that naive. If you decide to take in this black child. Right. Shame yeah. on you for not doing that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like those are the people that are like, oh, I don't see color. Like, that's right. almost the worst thing you could say. Like, you shouldn't say, oh, I don't see color, because then you disregard or uh, you just, yep. you don't you don't accept the fact that people of different colors have different experiences. Exactly. Not that, not that, like, it's almost like they don't want to deal with the problem. Right. I don't want to deal with it, so I'm just, I'm not going to see color. I'm not going to be nice to everybody. I'm going to be friends with everybody, and I don't see color. Like, no, you should be able to say... I like you, you know, as a friend or whatever the case. And I want to under- understand your experience as a black woman or as a Hispanic woman or as, you know what I'm saying? Just how you would, you know, somebody that's handicapped or that has a disability. I want to understand what your life experience is so that I could be a better person, a better friend or a better partner for you as opposed to, oh, I don't see color. I don't care that you're black. Like you should care that, you know, that person is black. You, you should, see- you know. Well, guess what? Everybody else is going to see color. Mm-hmm. Everybody else and, is going to see color. And whether you want to admit it or not, the society that we live in, it's impossible to not see color. Right. If you if you are on social media or if you watch the news, unless you're actively fighting against it, exactly. you're gonna you're gonna um, what's the word? You're gonna take on these prejudices that we see on the internet you know, how the, the news portrays people of color and everything like that, just the way they word headlines or the way they describe things that happen in the news. Like, you're going to take that on even if you don't realize it. Like, uh, I'm, I reposted something a couple of days ago that, like, it was like she was raped. And then they crossed it out and said he raped her. So basically it's saying, instead of saying she was raped, like she's the, she's the cause of her rape, you know? So it's, I said that to say like words mean things. So if you're, if you're being exposed to society in any way, 
even a sentence as simple as that, just how you did. I said, she was raped. No, he raped her. You were kind of like, huh? You know, right. when you see that stuff, you don't automatically think about it. Like when they, when they say uh, four thugs robbed a bank. Right. Nine times out of 10, people are going to automatically think, oh, it was black people that did it. Absolutely. So Absolutely. even if you think, oh, I'm not racist, we live in a racist society. So unless you're actively fighting against it and learning of other people's experiences, you're gonna fall into the trap. We're literally being brainwashed by these phones and electronics. So unless you're educating yourself, nine times out of 10, you're gonna be prejudiced against people or you're gonna be racist, maybe not blatantly, yep. but you know, the microaggressions and all that kind of stuff. So it's stupid to say, I don't see color or to adopt a black kid and say, oh, I, I don't care that he's black. You could, you should care that he's black. Right. You know? You over there co-signing, cousin? <laughs> I see that head bobbing. I'm over here like, exactly. <laughs> you should care that he's black. Because now your life's going to be altered because of the fact that he's black. Right. Or the things that, 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 you know, your son or your daughter is going through, they're going to feel like, Oh, I can't even bring it up because you're gonna tell me, oh, that didn't happen, you know. Yeah. They can't even they can't even talk to you about racism or the things that they're dealing with because you can't even educate them on how to deal with those situations. So yeah, I, I agree with the first thing you said though. Like I'm not against um I'm not against non black families adopting or white families adopting black kids because like you said I'm probably not going to adopt them and take care of them. So I'm happy that somebody will and that they're in a, you know, a, a healthy, happy home. Right. However, all you can do is like hope that they're educating themselves and that child on the black experience. Otherwise, nine times out of 10, that kid is always going to be lost. Yeah. And educating yourself for real, like not in a, not in a, 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 a surface level you know what I'm saying? Go go out and yeah. buy some black folks and go to the barbershop or something. Take that take that right. young to the black barbershop and let him get a little understanding, a little culture. See, you know what I'm saying? Like like do right. Do right by yeah. him. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say this one thing and we're gonna move on to the next chapter because we coming up on two hours. But um I know it's good. Uh I was watching This Is Us. Do you know that show? Okay, and can I say I do love this, love that show. I do. I really. You do. love it. Okay. I, I love. I, I love. Like they make me so happy. All of them. The whole thing. Just I love the show. But okay. anywho, I thought I thought about uh, was it Randall? Randall's a black kid, right? Right. Okay. So do you remember when Randall um, met the the black male teacher at his school, and he was like excited? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And his, his dad was feeling some type of way, you know, he's like, I don't need him to do this for my son. You know, he has a dad, but then he had to realize like, oh, shit, there are some things that I can't give my son. There's things that I just can't relate to. That doesn't mean you're less of a parent or anything like that, but you have to take your selfishness out of the picture and say, what does my child need? You know, so not, not only educating yourself but if you're gonna adopt a black child you need to have black people around you whether it's friends or you know what i'm saying so that your kid has somebody to relate to or talk to about certain things or just to see themselves 
in a way that they can be proud about. You know, like, okay, yeah, I, I have white parents, but I have a, you know, you know, like your, your parents' friend will be like your uncle or whatever. Like, I have an uncle that's a successful black man. And you know what I'm saying? Like, somebody, uh, what's the word? Like, what, what do we say about like seeing people that look like us on TV? Representation matters, I guess. You know what I'm saying? That's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, representation matters. So do that within your own circle. You yeah. can't say, oh, I'm going to adopt this black kid, but then you don't surround, not surround, but you don't have black people in your circle. Black influence around you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Another example of that um, in that show is when he took them to that karate gym in like one of the earlier seasons and mm -hmm. the karate teacher, you know, was black and a lot of the students were black and just teaching them discipline and teaching them how to grow up as a man. And then even that karate teacher brought the father in and said, you know, this is your father. Father, come and help your child. But this black teacher mm -hmm. was like guiding it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Huge, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're in a mindset of, I don't see color, then you wouldn't even understand the significance of that moment. Right. You know? Right, right. All right. Let's read about Jocko. What question do I have for Jocko? This kind of messed me up, this story right here. Um, mm, I like that question. All right, it's coming. I'm not even gonna make it a question, I'm gonna make it a statement. You got it? Cousin, you read that or you want me to say it to you? I'm, I'm drawing your, your cousin off out of the tub, so you're going to have to handle that for me. <laughs> okay. The, the question was, or the statement was, imagine a world where young Black boys like Jocko have the same opportunities as young white boys. Let's see. Gotcha. Okay. Jocko. Mute cousin, mute cousin. <laughs> All right, Jocko. The way something looks is not always the way it is. And what white folks say is definitely not always the truth. Do I really have to keep reminding you of that? Remember, we are re rewriting his story. For instance, when I was a boy, a friend of mine and I used to go out in the suburbs and throw bricks at those little black jockeys. You know, the ones you see holding lanterns on white folks' lawns. Then one day I said, hey man, something's not right about this. Jockeys don't carry lanterns. We decided to see what was up. We got to looking and looking and looking, and then I found out that the jockey who started it all, the one behind those statues, wasn't a jockey at all. He was a 12-year-old boy, and are you ready? George, General George Washington's number one war strategist. Name was Jocko Graves. He was the son of Tom Graves, a free black man in Washington's army. Jocko wanted to fight in the army too, but he was too young. That didn't stop him from traveling with Washington and the troops. 
That little black boy wanted to go, so he went. Simple as that. One morning, Jocko saw General Washington, and it looked like something was bothering him. So Jocko said, what's wrong, Pop? Washington said, ah, nothing. Jocko said, come on, you worry about something. Washington told him, we think the British are going to come in at this point down here, and we'll be waiting for them. But there's also a possibility they'll come in over there. I can't divide my troops. That little 12-year-old said, don't worry. I think you're right, but give me that lantern. If they come that way, I can see them if they come around that bend. It turned out George Washington was right. His army battled the British all night, killed them all. When Washington ran over to where Jocko was holding that lantern to keep a lookout for the British, he saw that the boy had frozen to death. Now that's loyalty. That's why I say you can't trust what folks tell you. They reduced that story down to just some little tar black jockey looking kid holding a lantern on white folks' lawn. When the real story is about loyalty, 12-year-old black boy froze to death protecting the American revolutionaries. Even the white folks who know the story tell it wrong. According to them, Jocko froze to death holding the reins of Washington's horses. This shows Jocko's loyalty, but holding reins didn't require brains. Don't pay attention to that mess. Mm. Trish, you look uh, disturbed. <laughs> you know what that story remind me of? Uh, we had to read it in high school. Something about the story of Equiano. Remember? I don't remember, but I feel like I've heard that story before. Yeah, so he was a a slave, but he got his, himself free doing like stuff like that for the white man. Mm. Like, I'm gonna look it up. Hold on, I'm gonna come back. Okay. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I definitely wasn't uh, present in high school. So I, I don't. The story sounds familiar, but I, I couldn't tell you the name. What's funny is we, me and my cousin went to the same high school, me and Chanel. So I know if she had to read it, more than likely I had to read it. <laughs> but I don't. That it don't even sound familiar to me. Um, but who knows? That might be our next book. We'll see. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm definitely with it. Um, yeah. So let me say this, like. Oh no. Okay, so that, <laughs> like in this situation, in this story, right? The only thing I can really think is like if that was a little white boy, he wouldn't be there. Like he wouldn't be there. Like you praise this twelve year old for his um for him wanting to come and for his loyalty. But I just yeah. feel like if that was a little young white boy, like he wouldn't be there because they would be more concerned about his safety. They'd be more concerned about him freezing to death. No, you know, Bobby can't go. He's going to freeze to death. Yeah. Right. And it's like, so even though, you know, it's like, like, oh, he rode alongside with me and he was my strategist. And it's like, but you didn't care about his safety. You didn't care about his well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just, it kind of throws me that way. Like, that's yeah. what I I mean, I don't know if I'm not, if I'm missing, like, a bigger picture, but I'm just thinking, like, he wouldn't have been there. If that was a little white boy, he would not have been there because they would have been concerned about his life. Mm -hmm. And I don't yeah. feel like th that story doesn't tell me that they were concerned about young Jocko's life. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Like, that's why I yeah. was just, what? Like, I will... 
not not in their defense at all because I completely agree with you um just from because like in the military they make you learn a lot of like military history Mm -hmm. and I will say that back in those times they didn't give a fuck about nobody's safety like they weren't giving them warming layers or the equipment that they needed to survive like a lot of people in uh the military or the army suffered from frostbite and medical conditions and they just did not care it was like okay yeah we all crowded here together to fight i mean they didn't care about where people went to shit or piss or they just they didn't have the the wherewithal to think about people's safety like that you know what i'm saying and that's that's across the board but everybody you know so i will say that however i do agree i still agree with the fact that he wouldn't have been there or if you know if he was if he was so smart then he would have stayed next to george washington as opposed to like they could have sent anybody over there to do that so why yeah. you let him go and do it if it was you know what i'm saying such a good idea and i know like we're reading this story based on dick gregory's research of the story so he could be taking out some details or whatever but it's like how he's telling it if he was so smart then they would have wanted to protect him hey he's smart we're gonna we're gonna keep him with the main camp with the main you know with the generals and yeah so i agree with you for sure you know like if he was so smart then why didn't we protect him we could have sent any goddamn body over there to hold the lantern why you couldn't send the 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 dumbest person in the you know hey if you see somebody coming Turn the lantern on. That's all you got to do. Right. Y'all could have sent the dumbest person in the army to do that. But right. you sent this little black boy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you got, cousin? All right. So I'm going to read you the little, the little snippet that I got on the license. Right. Okay. So um, as a free man in London, Equiano supported the British abolitionist movement. He was part of the Sons of Africa, an abolitionist group composed of Africans living in Britain, and he was active among them, blah, blah, blah. He published an autobiography, The Interesting Narrative of the Life of Aluda Equiano, 1789, so this is really old, which depicted the horrors of slavery. It went through nine editions in his lifetime as he helped gain his passage of the British uh, Slave Trade Act, which abolished slave trade. Basically, he was sold twice. Um, he was sold twice. He got freed, and he was sold again, and got freed, and he was sold again. And it just goes through his life as he was, you know, going through slavery over in another country. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was it was a good read. I can't remember it word for word, but it's it would definitely be something I want to read again. Yeah, I see you. That's um. Hmm. I was listening to you though. I don't want you to think I wasn't listening. That's cool. I got you. I, I know we we multifaceted over here. <laughs> Multitasking for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that sounds interesting. If you uh text me the um the title of the book or the link mm-hmm. or whatever, and I'm gonna check it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I need to start compiling my list of like what the next book is going to be. I mean, we're not even a quarter of the way through this one, but just so I at least know what the next one is, you know? Right. So I can eat it. <laughs> you said what? So we're going to get there. We're going to need it. We're going to need to know what the next book is. 
Right. I'm ready. Yep. All right, y'all read the question? Yeah. Oh my God, that's such a good question, man. <laughs> good question, because I, I ask myself that question all the time. Like, okay, you vote for the lesser, the lesser of two evils, or do you not okay. vote? You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. It's concept of voting so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I don't even. I don't even. Okay, I'm gonna read, and then okay. we can reflect. Because I'm lost. I have nothing on that. <laughs> All right. The assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, this is good. This was good. Okay. My bad. People talk about Abraham Lincoln like he was the best friend Black folks ever had because he freed the slaves. But we remember what that he wasn't really freeing the slaves, right? We remember that part? Okay. Cool. People talk about Abraham Lincoln like he was the best friend Black folks ever had because he freed the slaves. Lincoln didn't care a thing about black folks, and he sure wasn't their best friend. Now, you can look this up. Lincoln met with a room full of black men in the White House and told them they weren't as smart as white folks. One of his ideas for what to do after slavery was round up black folks and send them to another country. Think about your best friend. Would he or she tell you to your face you're as stupid as the day is long and then try to get you to move out of the country? If the answer is yes, you need a new best friend. Or else... Maybe your friend is right about the stupid part. Lincoln didn't care one way or another about black folks or about slavery either. He wanted to preserve the union, that's all. Here's what he said. If I could save the union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if Say I could that. save it... <laughs> I'm saying it. <laughs> and if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would do that. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like somebody who hates Black people. It doesn't exactly sound like somebody with their best interests at heart either, does it? Abraham Lincoln was a white man of his time. That's the long and the short of it. Folks say Lincoln got killed for freeing Black folks. Maybe, maybe not. Think about this for a minute. Lincoln was president during the Civil War. After the Southern states had seceded from the United States and he had to find a way to preserve that union he cared so much about, you know, the one black, Blacks built for free during slavery. Now, it takes money to fight a war. If you're fighting in the army but you don't get paid, pretty soon you might just stop fighting. Plus, you've got to eat. The government has to pay for all that. Well, the government didn't have enough money. So Lincoln went to banks in New York and asked to borrow what he needed. The bank said, sure, but you have to pay us back at 36% interest. That means the U.S. government will have to pay the banks back every dime it borrowed, plus another one-third on top of that. That's like if you ask your neighbor to borrow his screwdriver, and he says, sure, you can borrow it, but when you bring it back, you've got to give me some screws along with it. Lincoln said later for that. What did Lincoln do instead? He ordered the government to print money, called it greenbacks. Before that point in U.S. history, anytime the government printed a dollar, it had to have a dollar's worth of gold to back it up. But with the North fighting a war and Lincoln needing a way to pay for it, in 1862, Lincoln said, go ahead and print money. That way, the thinking went, the government wouldn't owe money to the banks. All this new money was floating around, and the banks didn't have a thing to do with it. If you think the banks like that, think again. Now, go forward almost exactly 100 years, 
when we had another president who was supposed to be a friend to black folks, John F. Kennedy, comes into office, starts making all kinds of noise about what he's going to do for black folks. Of course, he didn't have a chance to do it if that's what he was really going to do. Because in Dallas, Texas, on November 22nd, 1963, he was assassinated. All his plans fell to his vice president, Lyndon B. Johnson. People like to say Kennedy was killed for what he wanted to do for black folks. Maybe, maybe not. Look here. On June 4th, 1963, Kennedy signed Executive Order 11110, which allowed the U.S. government once again to print money without going through the Federal Reserve Bank. In other words, the government could get money without owing one thin dime to the bankers. So once again, there was new money, but no action for the banks. The whole reason the Federal Reserve Bank exists is to lend money to the government and get paid back with interest. If it can't do that, it's out of business. If you think the Federal Reserve bankers wanted that, think again. Kennedy got killed five months later. Folks said it was because he, he supported civil rights, but he was also one of two presidents who tried to get around the banks. The other one was Abraham Lincoln. What do you think? That's Abraham right. Lincoln wasn't having that. That's what I think. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm. Who 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 owns the Federal Reserve? That's what I want to know. I'm googling it because even like the whole Abraham Lincoln friend of slaves. Now, you know, granted, this is the first year all our people celebrate Juneteenth. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But <laughs> for years, I have always said like Fourth of July, we were still slaves. Like, I think me living in the South down in Arkansas and us celebrating Juneteenth really woke me up because like four or five, four, like four years ago, we were celebrating 4th of July and my caption said, happy Malia Obama day. Cause it's her birthday. 4th of July mm-hmm. is Malia Obama's birthday. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, but I used to tell my kids all the time, like in 1863, baby, Abraham Lincoln did not free all the slaves. He freed the slaves that was going to benefit him. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't realize that. They're like, oh, Abraham Lincoln was for the blacks, for the blacks. No, 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 no. He was for the boats. Let's get that straight. So I said, he get an emancipation. He signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, but it wasn't until June 19, 1865 that the last slaves were free. Let's let's get that together. All the slaves in the the North were free. Right. Mm -hmm. Not not those slaves where where your mind pie and them were. Right, and I try to explain that to kids like you, you got to look at the bigger picture and that's what's messed up about our education system too is that that's what they teach these kids yeah. Yeah. they teach them that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves when well, no that's not that's not the whole truth mm-hmm. he is not an ally yes right and when I um when I went to this like black teacher conference I'll never forget this guy got up there and he was talking. He was like, who was the first man on the moon? Everybody like, oh, Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. And then he 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 brought it up on the screen like, okay, Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon. Why? Guess what? Because at the time, were we able to do something like that? Were we given that education? Were we given that opportunity? No. But granted, had we were given that opportunity, hands down we would have been the first ones we were the the people who did all the research for him to get to the moon right right 
So yeah. I, I'm just trying to tell the kids that it's not it's we don't have the opportunities that those others are getting, you know. <laughs> so right. we, we literally have to make some shake out of what we got. Abraham mm-hmm. ain't for us. Ain't ain't nobody for us. We we gotta be for us. Right. Right. I think um I think that situations like that psychologically makes us think that we need white people to free us or we need white people to make our lives better. No, we just need y'all to stop fucking with us. Period. We don't need y'all help. Just stop fucking with us. That's it. And I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't even need you to hire me. Just leave me the fuck alone. Let me just do. Let me just be. That's it. So when, you know, when people are like, like the videos and not to not to bash people that are doing something, right? Doing something is better than nothing. But when you see people like on the front lines of protests and stuff like that, and they're like pleading with police officers, and I'm like, they don't care. They don't care. They don't give a fuck about you. You know? Like, all we need to say is, can you leave us the fuck alone? Okay, cool. We're going over here. Like, I don't need to sit at your table. You know? Because then you have situations like that where it's like, hey, help us. We need you to do something for us, for our lives to be better. And then shit like that happens where at face value, it looks like, oh, you're doing something for black people. When in reality, you're doing something to benefit yourself. Uh-oh, we lost Tristan. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, Maybe we'll phone that. Maybe. That'd be me. That's why I had to keep coming in here to the charger. <laughs> right. Um, but that was pretty much it. You know, uh, I don't oh here she comes. She's coming back. <laughs> there, there she go. go. <laughs> there she oh, go. I'm there back. we go. <laughs> I was like, oh, we lost her now. <laughs> I was like, really? My computer died. My bad. I told you. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I don't even know how I still got 75%. Um <laughs> but, chart. Uh, but yeah, I think I think we, you know, that just that screams to me like we have to stop asking the government or asking America or asking the white America or whatever to do something for us like all we need you to do is to leave us alone and we can take care of ourselves and I know all black people don't think that way but for me that's the only solution because then you have situations like that where it's like hey I'm helping you see I'm helping you when in reality you're benefiting yourself or right or somebody else you know what I mean so that's how he said like if I could have freed them and, and saved union I would have or if I didn't have to free him and I still could have saved the union, I would have did that. Like he didn't give a damn one way or another. All right. them white men, all them white men had slaves. And I right. guarantee you they had they had slaves after the Emancipation Proclamation, probably still had slaves working for them. Absolutely. So it's like, but how they teach it to us in school, how they not just how they teach it to black kids, but how they teach it to white people too. Mm-hmm. Oh, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. He freed that y'all. Part. Hundreds yeah. of years ago, like y'all should be happy. See, white right. all white people aren't bad. Look at that. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, no. Nah, let's pull up the real story of what he was doing. Are we still gonna say 
because to me that's if you're saying oh if i if i could have you know kept slavery and and, and saved the union i would have did that that to me makes you a bad person you're okay yeah. with people you're okay with people living in those fucked up situations mm-hmm. that makes you a bad person especially mm-hmm. when you have the power like that well i guess i shouldn't even say have the power because the president can't just you know raise a finger and shit happens but you had some type of power to make change or at least to right. not do damage <laughs> right uh-huh. right right so i don't i have no i have no clue what to do with politics i don't have nothing i i have nothing i i don't you know how oh my god voted like national voting is so beyond ridiculous to me like only only way i feel that your vote really makes a difference is when you start from the very, very bottom at the local mm-hmm. levels. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, when you can vote in people, and politicians. When you can vote in people that you can actually personally talk to, that you can, you know, maybe go to whatever little meetings or groups that they're holding on a local level. And then from there, hope and pray that they do what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, man, go to a national level. I don't, girl, that is the most frustrating thing. There is a guy called Claude Anderson. Y'all know he old if his name Claude. Yeah, old black man. Not even Claude, (laughs) but Claude. Claude. C-L-A-U-D-E, I think. But it's definitely Claude Anderson, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I I watched a video of him... I was going to say, another trash can? What the fuck is going on? Girl, I can't <laughs> see myself. Like, I can't. Like, it ain't the same. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, let me hang up this one. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know how to hang up so much. I'm going to do my sorry. Lord Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got headphones there, too. <laughs> Girl, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even know how to hang up. Hang up on me. Uh. Which one? I think I know which one. I don't know how to end. Mm, which one are you trying to be on? Your phone or your computer? There you go. You got it. Um. So I watched a video maybe a month ago of Claude Anderson, and he was basically saying his idea of uh what black people need to do for economic freedom or just freedom in general. And he had, I'm probably just going to send y'all the link, but he had levels of what we need to do in order to gain power in this country. So his first thing was we don't own anything. We have to start at owning some shit at having money. If you don't have money, you have no economic power. And he's like, Fuck voting. Oh, just to give you background on him, he worked. Uh, he worked like in politics for like fifty years or something like that. He was in like presidential campaigns, multiple presidential campaigns. So he has an understanding of economics and political power at a national level. But he's like, we don't own shit, so we have no power. It's not so much that. Uh, you know, white people are just so racist. It's that we don't have enough money to bring to the table for them to give a fuck about how we feel. So he's like, the first thing we need to do 
is get our money right, just to make it short. And then the next step was, oh, I can't remember what the steps were. I'm going to send y'all the video. But basically, it was get your money right and then vote politicians in that are going to do something for you and you buy them. He's like, that's what everybody else do. They buy them. It's not about, you know, oh, you should do this for me because it's morally right. They're going to go where the money is at. So you have to come to the table with more money than these other political groups or these other groups of people to say, hey, these are my interests. Right. So I'm going to buy you and you're going to keep my interests at heart when you at the meetings or at, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. So like when he said that, I'm like, that makes so much sense. How can we compete with these large corporations or how can we compete with the Jews or the Asians? Like them motherfuckers got they shit together. Mm-hmm. You don't never, you never hear about uh, an Asian being shot down by a cop or a cop kneeling on an Asian for nine minutes or whatever the fuck. You never hear about that. Or a Jew. You never hear that shit. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Because they buying these prosecutors. They buying these, you know what I'm saying, the, the judges and they're buying the governors and the mayors and Yep. When you when you like when you see stuff you when you see a, a politician doing something it's like why are they doing that that don't even make sense are they just trying to swindle like this is what we got to do but who is that benefiting right. follow the money follow the money That's it. if I'm not mistaken and I don't know who says this so I don't want to misquote it but I feel like it could have been like Dr. Umar Johnson are you familiar mm-hmm. with him. And I feel like he was saying something really similar to like um, how a lot of the like the LBGT community got a lot of their laws passed under the Obama administration, right? Uh, because the group themselves were big enough to help fund and push some of their own, you know, their own issues. They wanted their own laws and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also to that point, like Killer Mike was saying this, like as we need to really be able to come together and figure out the list of demands that we want. Because even if we can get our money together to, in a sense, buy these politicians, right? Mm-hmm. We know what we actually want once we are presented this, with this opportunity. Do, do we mm-hmm. know, you know, like the conversation of reparations? Like, okay, well, do you believe? Well, what exactly does that look like? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, for real, what does that look like? Yeah. It's like being able to come to the table with the right amount of money, with the right amount of information to be able to push some of these laws forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'm uh I'm about to send y'all this link. I'm listening to you though. Oh no. That was it. That was it. You uh you like my memoji though? She cute girl. She cute. She's like, She's like, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'll be wearing my hair in a bun now, so I'm like, I gotta yeah. take my memoji. <laughs> the only one that don't have one of those either you need to do it i'm 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 behind girl okay i'm dropping that's the link for the uh the claude anderson video it's like 11 minutes long but he talks about the different levels get your money right by the politicians he like voting don't mean shit if you ain't got no money that's right that's suicide basically like you're not even doing nothing you're not making no change you know even if you vote in a democrat or whatever he's like fuck the political parties i don't care if you vote in a republican and you say hey i'm gonna pay you x amount of money and you're gonna keep my interests at heart while you in that position mm-hmm. whether they whether they white black any of that buy them you like that's that's what everybody else doing 
That's, that's, that's what it is. At the end of the day, follow the money. That's why people are always yeah. saying, like, if you really want to make a difference, like, stop shopping at these corporations. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because that money is. The corporations are the ones who are putting in their extra money so they can have yeah. their extra input, you know, yeah. Yeah. to make things easier for them. Yeah. So they it. can make more money. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you want to see a change. This is slightly off topic, but I thought this was just so typical. Like Sprite had a commercial out and they were talking about how like, you know, we stand together with Black Lives Matter and we're for the unity and all this stuff and da 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 da. And then at the end of the commercial it was like Sprite, right? <laughs> and all I could think was like, this is this from Sprite's perspective, this is so smart, right? Because you see the community that benefits from buying the most Sprite. So let me go ahead and line up with them to let them know like, hey, they don't care about y'all. But we right. care about you. Keep buying our products. Yeah. I know you like Sprite. I'm going to keep giving you Sprite. Keep buying Sprite. Like, we stand with you. You right. know what I'm saying? That's the, yeah. It's just, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, and it's almost like, for me, it's almost like I'm not going to... I'm not gonna bash you for doing it because again, right. anything that anything that that makes racist white America upset like just makes me happy. So the fact that motherfuckers gotta turn their TV on and see that shit, I'm like, okay, you you at least you doing something. So I'm not even gonna bash you for that. But I would never praise like, oh my god, shout out to Sprite, like fuck right. Sprite. You know how much right. money Sprite got? Which it ain't even Sprite. I really they up under PepsiCo and shit. But you know how much money they got? Right. You know what? How right. much influence they actually could have? These motherfuckers gonna put out a commercial. They don't right. give a fuck about us. Right. Right. The only right. the only company that really like caught my attention was Ben and Jerry's. Them niggas have been talking they shit. Oh, for I don't real, know. For real. Okay. Hold on. Hold on, sis. Let me. They've been posting like a motherfucker, and not just the general like Black Lives Matter. No, they was straight talking they shit. <laughs> um, but go to they go to they uh Instagram. Let me see. Uh, what was the first one they? Ben and Jerry, huh? Surprise the oh. fuck out of me! I'm like the ice cream. <laughs> right. Um, I like Ben and Jerry. Like... They got a cookie dough and a uh, Oreos, a cookie, cookies and cream in one. Jesus. Yeah, but they actually been like putting out. Um, I'm gonna let me see if I can. Is this a link? Yep, I'm about to DM you. They said the long ass, uh, like statement or whatever. I read that shit. I was like, oh, can you see that? Look at that. Yep, that's what they've been doing. Wow. Okay. I just sent you the link. This was like the first like post they put out where they was like, this shit fucked up. We ain't standing for this no more. Like they just came with the energy. It wasn't like, hey, Black Lives Matter, guys. <laughs> Let me get the like, t-shirt, no. Starbucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey. Okay, I will definitely, let me go ahead and follow Ben. Ben and Gary. Crazy. Um, let me see. Yeah, they just, they, they, they went in. Oh, here it go. This is like the second half of it. First, 
We call upon President Trump, elected officials, and political parties to commit our nation to a formal process of healing and recognition. Instead of calling for the use of aggressive tactics on protesters, the president must take the first step by disavowing white supremacists and nationalist groups that overtly support him and by not using his Twitter feed to promote and normalize their ideas and agendas. The world is watching America's response. That's just one little paragraph out of like a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they first, second, third, and finally, we call on the Department of Justice to reinvigorate its civil rights division as a staunch defender of the rights of black and brown people. The DOJ must also reinstate policies rolled back under the Trump administration, such as consent decrees to curb police abuses. Unless and until white America is willing to collectively acknowledge its privilege, take responsibility for its past and the impact it has on the present, and commit to creating a future steeped in justice. The list of names that George Floyd has been added to will never end. We have to use this moment to accelerate our nation's long journey towards justice and a more perfect union. I mess with it. Followed by a gang of other posts, like right. actually, actually putting out information like this is what the fuck is going on in the world. You know, not just Black Lives Matter, we stand with you guys, shut the right. fuck up. <laughs> actually, I don't care about none of that. Using their yeah. actually, that that is really like interesting. And I don't even really yeah. buy Ben and Jerry's, and it's like not trying to be funny, but I don't really hear like a whole lot of black people just be like, "Oh, girl, I gotta get to the store to get that new Ben and Jerry's." Right. So for you not even to be like a huge yeah. thing in the community and still be like, I love it because now that to me, there goes intention. You yep. know, what I'm saying? like with Sprite, yeah. Mm, no, mm -mm. no, no. Like they, they had a post, uh, can't join a protest in person. We have 12 things you can do right now to help in white supremacy and systemic racism. Like come on with the, with the links and the, all of that. Yeah, yeah. All of that, all of that. Like, and this very well could just be like a marketing scheme, right? How, however, this shit is productive. And it's consistent. And it's consistent. And it's consistent. And that's, that's so, everything. Because a bunch of posts speak way more, speak volumes to one commercial. Constant mm -hmm. posting, constantly on it. That speaks yep. volumes to one. Yep. yep. But I think how you were on the call last time, right? On Tuesday? Yeah. So remember the, the white woman that taught Frederick Douglass how to read? Yeah. And then she sent them away to get broke in? Yeah. So not just that, but I think about like, okay, how do we like create boundaries between us and white America? As in, okay, that's dope that you're doing that. Right. However, that's not going to make me stop what I need to do for my community. Right. And if you stop doing it, I'm not going to say, oh my God, I can't believe you aren't blah, 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 blah. No, I really don't give a fuck what you're doing or not doing because I'm still doing what I need to do. Right. However, I can appreciate it and I might buy your ice cream the next time I go to the grocery store. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Not a whole lot. It might just be one, you know what I'm saying? But I might, whatever. But sure, we but still was, have to... Right, yeah. the little, little small size. A little small something, you know. You ain't gonna yeah. get all the points, but yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to allow, I'm not going to marry you in a sense of if you don't support, then all of a sudden 
I fall apart. Right. No, because I'm still independent. It's, I mean, it's just like a relationship. Like I have to be whole before I'm with anybody else. That's I right. got to take care of me, you know? That's so it. I think boundaries between the black community and the white community has to be set, even with allies. Yeah. Are you an ally? That's dope. You know, if you're a friend, I might love you. However, I'm not relying on your support for my survival. That's it. That's it. That's it. You got to get to the point where you're not relying. Yeah. That's what it really comes down to when we are able to be self-sufficient as a community, then that boundary will be put up. Yeah. Like this as a whole, you know? Yeah. You know, the more I think people- like, um, you said I'm not relying on your support to make me whole or whatever. But I am mm-hmm. relying on your support for our friendship. And if you can't give me yeah, that, that's the problem. Absolutely. absolutely. That, that might have been the first thing we discussed, I think, right? Allies, first and second thing. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, for sure. That's a that's a minimum. Mm-hmm. That's a bare minimum. Like, if you can't support that, then we don't have nothing to talk about. Nothing else. Because it's, survi- it's, it's about survival over here. You chilling. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and not not to say that white America don't, you know, they still got to deal with rape and murder and, you know what I'm saying? But as far as the our race, though, like black America, it's like we are in survival mode right now. You chilling. You just got to worry about regular everyday violence shit. We got to worry about a whole system being against us or just not giving a fuck, taking advantage of the community and stuff like that. So if you can't help me survive, what are we talking about? And like, even on a on a on a even like deeper level, like what that does to your mental, as a black person, not even understanding like if these crimes are committed against you because you're like literally because of something I I cannot control, right? Like, cannot control this, and these acts mm-hmm. are happening to me. So now it's like you just got a whole nother level of mental, just shit going on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. On top of, oh, let me make sure I carry my, my pepper spray, you know, make sure, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, dang, like, yeah. did you attack me because you're just trying to come up on one? Or did you attack me because I'm black? And that, that hurt more than you just doing it and just right. taking me out of a crowd. Right. Like, you targeted me. Right. Because I have That's to it. show up in the world. I can't, like, I show up like this. There's nothing I can do. Right. Other than you can't take up. it off. I can't take it off. I can't. Do, I can't do nothing. Even if I made it lighter, it still would never be light enough. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That's like the mental that that does to you. Like that's crazy. Like yeah. The and then I took from you. I can't remember if I read it or if I heard it, but somebody said like, and you wonder why we're more susceptible to high blood pressure and yeah. all these medical conditions. Like just the just waking up every day and having that extra level of stress that shit weighs on you stress kills you literally so it's like it's not just oh black people got all these problems because they eating bullshit or i mean yeah that might be a factor too but you add on shit that no other race has to deal with right 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 and not to discredit what our our brown family has to go through because they got a whole another set of problems you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that shit affects us. It affects your mental and then it starts to affect your physical. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, yeah. oh. all right, ladies. I am hungry. <laughs> yes, it is.
I enjoyed this so much. You I think this me. is probably. I know. <laughs> I'm too jealous right now too. That right. Really good. I'm highly allergic, but it looked real good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you sorry. Gotta, you gotta <laughs> eat, eat it. Eat it through Zoom. Give her. Give her a visual. <laughs> give her a visual, <laughs> Right. <laughs> No, but um, I, I really enjoyed this. I feel like this is probably the best one so far. Mm. So I'm definitely going to try to find ways to just make it more organized and, you know, just flow good. But I appreciate y'all for y'all feedback. And I, I mean, I could come on here and talk to myself, but I appreciate y'all for coming on and, you know, I'm just sure having this discussion. Mm-hmm. Not for no two and a half hours. <laughs> At least 30 minutes. Let me tell you, after Tuesday, I was looking forward to today. So I just appreciate the the, the format. I appreciate this. You know what I'm saying? Not knowing this yeah. is like, not <laughs> hey. so, I'll be down there Friday. Okay. That's what's up. I'm glad you decided to come. Yes, yes, me sure. too. I'm thinking about changing my flight to Thursday night, though. Okay. Uh, just let me know. It's so good, girl. I got you, though. <laughs> <laughs> well y'all thank you again y'all have a good night and um right. hopefully good I'll, night. hopefully i'll see y'all saturday okay six o'clock yeah same time okay i'll be there it's time right. to be over here <laughs> right. good night y'all all right y'all, all right, y'all. good night y'all. all right oh close oh